0: Hello and welcome to Pondering Proverbs. We are going to be looking at Proverbs 1-7 today. And joining me today are Brett and Ryan. Proverbs 1-7, I picked this proverb because it is, in essence, a linchpin of the book of Proverbs. It's a thesis statement of a sort. The first seven verses of Proverbs really lay out what Proverbs is about, the intention of the book, and it culminates in Proverbs 1-7. So I'm just gonna read that whole passage. This is out of the New King James Version. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instructions of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discernment, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel, to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. And here's verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so the first thing I'd like to ask is just briefly, what have you heard about this proverb or learned about this proverb in the past? What is your baseline assumptions coming into this conversation?
1: I would say, I think just the idea of the fear of the Lord, that part of it comes back to me a lot in terms of just processing things I've heard in the past and an understanding of that uh when we say the fear of the lord that brings up all kinds of pictures i think probably for a lot of us and um but you know you'd ask what what comes to your mind what have you heard and kind of what i've been taught my processing on this is that the fear of the lord is is reverential mm-hmm. and what is due him because of his character and who he is and the power and the authority that he has so but the fear of the Lord is mixed with all of his other attributes, right? It is. If it God's is. holiness were all that were true about him, yeah, we would stand in s- scary fear, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? But God is both holy, loving, right, full of grace and mercy and tenderness, right? So um, uh, the fear of the Lord, though, is is deep reverence. But I think we'll get to this in a minute, too. Mm-hmm. It's it can't go deeper and should go deeper than that because there's a part of it where there's you know a terrifying there, there's parts of what the scriptures tell us is, you know, it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands
2: of the living God. So we'll talk about that just a little bit too. I'm sure a little bit later. That's yeah. good. I think I would I would agree with that. That reverential fear, like like if you were to meet someone who's of very high status and importance right? How would you act in their presence? And treating the Lord that way as well, even in our thought life, right? It, it should, just his his title alone, his name alone should demand a higher degree of respect and reverence and fear and honor in a sense where we're willing to do anything for him, right? Especially as followers of, of Jesus and it kind of, you know, to tag onto that and and, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know I've heard really this whole gamut of uh, uh, this whole spectrum of what the fear of the Lord is from like this idea of it's it's like a respect like if I met God here today I'd look him right in the eye and give him a hearty handshake that's like oh it's so much more than that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right to right. this hellfire and brimstone just terror that god is out to get you type of fear and it's like well it's not that either so i think grasping what the fear of the lord is really brings about the, the uh an understanding of the whole proverbs because you know as this says the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge and i will say i'm going to probably misquote this over and over and over again i like to say the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom which that is a verse that appears in psalm 111 and also proverbs chapter is either eight or nine so that's also true but I will often reference this verse wrongly that way. So if I do that, then uh, just take a shot of water, and we might be very hydrated by the end of the podcast.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, I want to go back to something Ryan just said, because he mm-hmm. talked about, um, you know, on a human level, if we were to stand, let me just use an example. Let's just say the three of us got a letter in the mail, or we got some kind of communication that the president of the United States wanted to meet with us, or we were, uh, had an opportunity to meet with the president in the Oval Office. That would be quite a thing, right? Yeah. And we would uh, we'd probably call a hundred of our closest friends to tell them what was happening and to brag a little bit, right? Sure. And uh, but we would plan for that. We would we would definitely dress up, right? We would definitely probably all get new suits, and we would go in with a, a real sense of respect and fear in a way, or uh, that kind of reverence. There's a reverence to the office, yes. Sometimes to the person, but to the office. Yeah. Right, maybe even more so if we lived in a monarchy, right? Absolutely, so, and even more
2: if we lived in a an autocracy, right? Mm-hmm. Where the uh, where we're under that's a dictator. Yeah, yeah. So that's funny. I you know I had the picture I had in my mind was um, the first time you meet your girlfriend's father, right? And it's like first date, taking her out, kind of thing. And it's like, how are you going to treat him and respond to him? It's like there's going to be fear. It's like he can cut you off at any time you know but you pray that he's merciful and loving and just you know hopefully yeah that's a great a thought that crossed my mind that man. was great too brad yeah.
0: I, I love that i'll tell you the picture in my mind went an entirely different direction okay. and so what what helped me start grasping this was i was just picturing like walking down a hallway just at school walking down a hallway at work in my home just a normal hallway that i'm typical typically of and then i'm like well, what if that hallway was full of something I'm afraid of? Just hundreds of spiders, black widows, dangling oh. from the ceiling. How would that change how I walk down that hallway? Mm. And the simple truth is I'd be eminently aware, just just intensely aware of every those move, spiders. Every, every movement, movement. Every movement. Every movement. Everything I do would just be informed by these spiders. It's like, would I decide, you know what? I don't need to go down this hallway to use the restroom i can do it right here and now just you know or would i run away would i try to get through the hallway real slow it didn't no matter what i did i would be very aware of all those spiders i say okay so what if we bring that idea into the fear of the lord this intense awareness of who god is i feel like that really helped me grasp what the fear of the lord is through the book of proverbs So, a a key question here then is, how is this
1: reverence, how is this attitude that we've just talked about related to knowledge? Mm -hmm. And uh, what's the connection between those two? And then the opposite of that is that fools uh, despise wisdom and instruction. So, what's the connection between that attitude we just talked about and the acquisition of knowledge.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think the fear of the Lord's, if uh, you are aware of God, you have opened your eyes to Him. And so that means the knowledge that matters, the knowledge that is significant, the fear of the Lord acts as a light that just illuminates that knowledge and what matters. Whereas the fool, would be someone who does not live with the fear of the lord they live like god doesn't exist so they are unaware unable to attain the knowledge that really matters
2: and if i think if someone's mm. is unafraid of the lord then their actions show that right they're going to do things that you know will just de- depict someone who doesn't really care about the eternal consequences that may arrive you know to them one day that will arrive to them one day you know they're going to be paid out for their wages, or their wages, right? For their sin, um, which the Bible says is death, eternal separation from God. And someone who is not walking in fear of the Lord doesn't have that. Um, they almost don't care about it. Would you say? I mean, especially coming from Las Vegas of all places, where people literally come to commit sin. It's it's like they don't care, at least in the moment. Maybe when they lay down and, you know, their head hits the pillow. You know, um, just a side thought here, but I think it's important. And, and when, I, when I was in college, one of the
1: first courses I took it was a philosophy course. And the title of the course was What is Reality? Ever since then, I've always kind of processed, like, why did he call it that? And then I realized the, the genius of the name of that course, What is Reality? Because, you know, the, the essence of philosophy really is to try to determine what is true and so, and I define, I define truth this way: is truth is that which corresponds to reality, and and knowledge then is the collection of factual data that is true. Uh, well, you can ha- you can acquire you can acquire information that is not true; that is, it doesn't correspond to reality. But in in relationship to this. If you're acquiring knowledge and it's outside of what of who God is or underst- an understanding of God, then you're just so far off base, mm. right? And I'm I'm fearful for a lot so many people today because they are acquiring knowledge, but it is not God fearing, God contained, God centered, and
0: and and therefore, and it's not it's disconnected from reality. Right, and so I, I think uh, there is knowledge that matters. And there is trivial knowledge. And if I am fixing your car, I could know what a healthy heartbeat is, and it doesn't matter to me fixing your car. If I am fixing your heart, I could know what the proper tightness on the lug nuts should be. And that does not matter to how well I fix your heart. So I find the fear of the Lord then is that that filter that helps us see which knowledge is important and which knowledge is trivial. And, you know, the the picture that came to my mind when I was pondering this was like a playground with 30 kids in a park, and they're all screaming and laughing and such, and there'd just be a din of noise. But for that parent, they could pick out their own kid's voice when they cry mama. Mm -hmm. And so the fear of the Lord then is that that attunement to who god is and god's character and that awareness of god that helps us pick out those morsels of meaningful knowledge and separate it out from the the masses of trivial knowledge no oh, that's a great way of saying that and if you start if you start with a presupposition like many people to do
1: today that there is no god right. and he's god doesn't have anything to do with life and you're collecting knowledge and you're trying to live in such a way without that foundation. The Bible says, right? Uh, The fool says in their heart, there is no God. So the closer you can get to the place where you understand this is God's world and we're living in it, we're stewards of it, and uh, it's ultimately all about him.
2: Yes. That's really the way you need to live. And I think that's what Solomon writes. Yeah. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I think a good picture we see in the Bible of this is in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden where Adam has purpose, right? He he has a job to do, he has relationship with God, and then he, you know, obviously is brought to him and all that, right? But they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and their eyes become aware, and the fear which was healthy before of God, which was respect, which is honor, then's into turns into God. I'm afraid because I didn't want you to see me when I was naked. It's the fear of shame, yeah, right The yeah. fear of consequence, the fear of uh, punishment, right. And is that fear unjust or undue to a God who is able to destroy both body and soul, right? Adam and Eve had had reasonable fear when they when they committed that sin, right uh, by attaining the knowledge of good and evil, which presumably they didn't have before. And so when we're talking about knowledge here, it's you know, I think that possibly could be in the discussion as well. It's like what exactly is the the breadth of knowledge that we discuss, right? Along with wisdom of living life um fruitfully unto the Lord and, and reverentially to him, right? Providing a living sacrifice, if you will. As believers, right? You know, those who are not, it's like they're blinded to that. Right. The the enemy of this world has blinded them. I wouldn't say too, we
1: haven't gotten there yet, but my understanding of wisdom in this not just this passage, but wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. And so so but you can't live wisely if you don't have good knowledge, right? Or knowledge that's based on correct assumptions and based in reality.
0: Yeah, and so that my definition of wisdom that I've been operating under is making good decisions. So, very similar, correct application of knowledge, but I don't know that it's actually necessarily tied to knowledge. Mm. I think it's possible to have wisdom without knowledge. And we see that in the book of James when he says, you know, pray for wisdom and the Holy Spirit will provide it. So, yeah. if you're just able to follow the guiding of the Spirit, you can live in wisdom without having a complete knowledge. But knowledge is are very much helpful and is the typical way that wisdom is, is found, is right, through right, knowledge. Right.
2: Yeah. about uh, advice and circumstances? You know, wisdom mm-hmm. can com- really shine there as well. If someone comes to you with an issue or you just have a word from the Lord to to share, you know, of wisdom, doesn't necessarily always come from you, you know, from the Spirit, right? A word of wisdom, word of knowledge or something along the lines, right? One other thought too on this is for all of us, we're
1: very – we're actually very limited in what we know. And I always think of, uh, you know, an argument I have with any college professor, for example, is, you know, how much do you really know? and then i use this illustration if we were to walk into any library right and start walking down through the stacks of books and you're supposed to you're looking at the different titles and the different sections and you know you're in the microbiology section and you're in the engineering section and then you're in the nuclear you know physics section how much of all of that knowledge that there is out there do you individually possess and so i think sometimes people act as if they have all the knowledge in the world when in reality there's very little that we really, really do know. So I like your point, Tim, that Timothy, that you because we don't have all knowledge, but we can have a connection to God, and He's able to speak to us, and we can listen to Him, and and we can hear His voice. Then to have that surrendered, humble attitude before Him, He can lead us into wise living. Yeah,
0: and if we are living in the fear of the Lord, then the knowledge that we do have. Matters a lot more to the decisions we're making, absolutely, and results in more wisdom. Yeah.
2: Can you repeat that? The,
0: That's <laughs> good. Let's That's maybe good. I might have forgotten it. Say, <laughs> 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 so if we're living in the fear of the Lord, then the knowledge we do have can be applied into making good decisions. It can transfer into knowledge much quicker at a much greater weight, much better ROI. If we want to use some, uh, but
1: just to add to that, and that is, if you're living in the fear of the Lord, you're going to see life differently, right? You're going to use learn life. things differently than others. You're going to hear things that you're going to remember. You're going to place yourselves in, in venues where you can learn more truth. You're going to read things that add to that. So, Other than the fool, right? Opposite. The fool the would be fool. just opposite, right? Yeah. Just the opposite. Because they're not looking for that, right? Yeah. They're adding to, to what they do know from sources that presuppositionally you know, are outside of, really, they're outside of the fear of the Lord.
2: Got kind of a question, you know? Yes, sir. Maybe I haven't looked this up in Hebrew, but that word "despise" is that similar to when the New Testament says Jesus despised the cross? Which my understanding of that is like disregarded, right? Dis- disregarded the shame. Not just, dis- Sorry, Jesus did not despise the cross, but he just dis- despised the shame, right? And endured it. Do you think this could also mean that? But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools disregard wisdom and disregard instruction. It could
1: Maybe. be, and then you know, typically the word despise has some emotional, you know, an emotional
0: connection to just hate, right? Uh, um, dislike. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what I uh, see, just looking up in the Strong's, I see it. Despise comes up as disrespect, contempt, or despise. That's the the words. It's not a particularly frequent word in the Old Testament. So. Okay that is how it was translated in the uh, King James. That seems like a very strong word though. It is a strong word, yes, it is. So, I just want to circle back a little bit to the fear of the Lord cuz I just I was going okay, what is I wanted to get a better grasp of the fear of the Lord? So I'm like, okay, so what is the first time that it appears in the Bible? And the first time that I could find was in Exodus chapter 9, a conversation between Moses and Pharaoh where this was during the seventh plague. The hail was coming down mm. And Pharaoh says, hey, pray to your God, have him call off the, the hail. And Moses says, you and your people do not yet fear God. And I said, okay, that's interesting, because it's tied directly to God's power. And that, that had me thinking, uh, which, which leads into another question that uh, is very pertinent in our culture, is how can you fear and love something at the same time? Because we draw a pretty solid dichotomy between you fear things that are bad, you love things that are good. And it shows a terrible uh, misunderstanding of God to reduce him to such a tiny level. But when you start seeing that fear is tied to the power of God, in addition to his holiness, I think that that opens up a lot. Because it's like, just for me, just, just thinking, you know, like, I work with heavy equipment at my work one misstep and you can break a limb or kill somebody. I'm driving a truck. I could crush a person, a pedestrian, if I'm just not paying attention for a moment. So it brings back that idea of awareness where there's this fear of what I could do with this powerful machine that makes me especially aware. But God is not like a truck that is under my control. God is completely outside of my control. So that led me to thinking about like a fisherman on the ocean, where their full livelihood depends on the ocean. And yet, if the ocean turns on them, if they're out there during a hurricane, they're dead in an instant. So they too have to be completely aware of what the ocean is doing, what the weather is like, where the clouds are on the horizon. And that just sort of started opening up that idea. And I could start really seeing that parallel where it breaks that that false dichotomy between fear, bad, love, good yeah. that, that we sort of have created.
1: You know, I, I was thinking about that just in relationship to this um, before this. I, I thought of our own earthly fathers, right? And some of us had really good earthly fathers. Some of us had absent fathers. But in the general case when when you're being raised by a dad and this is the same true of a mother but I think we oftentimes think of a father uh there's a part of a good child parent relationship or child father relationship where there's a healthy fear of your dad right <laughs> like if if and if he's a good father he has said these are things you can do and these are these are things that you can't do and they've set rules for the home and for life and all that and you know that if you cross those that you're going to suffer the consequence from your dad and that's a good thing right because it's it's uh your dad and your dad's doing it out of love right to be a loving father does not mean that you don't discipline your children and that's how god is god there's a part of god where where he's stern and he is he will he will discipline and but in general god is loving and caring and gracious but there's a there's a terrifying sense to who god is and ultimately if you do not comply with what God wants, you, you will suffer the worst of all possible yes. consequences, and that is to live in eternity apart from him. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, And you mentioned discipline and correction, and those are both synonyms for instruction at the end of the verse. The fool despises wisdom and instruction. And in particular, he was talking about that corrective instruction that he despises. So, And you could see where if you don't have fear where you wouldn't have that, like the, you'd be like, this makes no sense at all. Like, why on earth am I getting punished, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or you you don't know the root of, you know, if you're being punished by a person in some way or, or by your government or something, you don't see God behind the scenes, how they are working on his behalf. So you just, you know, you just despise it.
2: Sure. You guys ever listen to Ray Comfort or watch his videos? Sure, yeah. For...
0: He uses this analogy,
2: and he says he says this. Imagine you're you know ten thousand feet on an airplane. You're getting ready to skydive, and you go up to the edge of the, about to jump out, and you realize you don't have your parachute on. You, you're fearful, right? Because what happens if you slip out all of yeah, a sudden? Right. Like you're done. And he says, so he uses this to say fear is a good thing in that situation. You know, it's a natural response. that's good. And it's caring for your safety, if you will. You're experiencing that. And you're saying, hey, let me get that parachute real quick because if with a parachute, I can survive this fall. And he, he links that to, of course, eternity, right? And and he likes to say, I'm dangling you out by eternity's edge just for a moment to, you know, make you realize you need that parachute. But that idea that fear could prompt a positive response, right if i'm at on a ledge you know at angel's landing or something like that in zion like i'm not going to wander too much closer because i could fall to your death right and then so i think that's an interesting uh side of things right and so i don't know if that adds to the conversation in any way
0: yeah. but yeah. just just a thought It does so, now i want to bring up a couple verses here that tie the fear and the love of god together to show that it's not a false dichotomy the first one i thought of was the Shema in deuteronomy chapter 6 because it's book ended it talks about the fear of the lord before the passage and after the chat passage just within a couple verses but when i went to look for it i found this guy in deuteronomy chapter 10 and i think this could be a whole sermon series on itself it says this 10 12 and 13 And this out of the ESV. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? So, this is what is a proper relationship with God? Number one, but to fear the Lord your God. Two, to walk in all his ways. Three, to love him. Four, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And five, to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And I just thought, wow, that is really an interesting way of breaking down. Just the whole relationship with God, you have pretty much five things, five dimensions. Fear, emulation, walking in his ways, love, service, and obedience. And I'm like, okay, each of those is interdependent on each other. And I could see where if you're missing any one of those, you get a weird relationship with God. I don't know, maybe that's just an aside, but just seeing where it instructs just within a couple words of each other to fear the Lord and to love him. Mm. While you were reading those verses,
1: Timothy, I was just Mm -hmm. thinking that we're born, though, with this. We're born with a sinful nature that just naturally Mm -hmm. is is born in rebellion to those things. And we need a change of heart. We need a miracle, really, that changes us. Because the essence of our sinfulness is that we don't want to do any of those things, and we want to make our own rules, and we want to please ourselves, and we want to create our own rules, and live our own way, and yet we should see from all of human history that that brings just, it just brings destruction and uh, hurt and pain to our own
0: lives and to those around us. Well, so the uh, the second verse that I was looking at goes the other way, and it talks about God's love. This is Psalms 118, verse 4. It says, Let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. Show that... That fear and God's love are not in any way incompatible.
2: Sure, two two psalms before that. It's funny; I was just looking at one sixteen. <laughs> uh, in in relation to what Deuteronomy ten says, where it says uh, says ten verse twelve says and to love him and to uh, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And Brett, you brought up like a, a new heart, right? The Lord will give us and. Psalm 116, verse 7 says, Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And so here's the flowers like a regenerated soul, a renewed, brand new heart, a flesh. Are these things are requirements for us to truly fear and walk with the Lord? You know, among that list there. And it's.
1: You know, uh, just a quick thought, and that is, you know, the Bible talks about a spiritual gift of knowledge and a spiritual gift of wisdom Mm -hmm. that I think is related to this. And just in my experience, watching some people who have those gifts and how beautiful it is, because I I know some guys who are pretty (laughs) kind of knucklehead and not super smart, honestly, in their younger life, but they have a spiritual gift of knowledge. And then all of a sudden over time, they end up with a PhD and an expertise in certain areas. And and a found because they have a foundation in their relationship with God they become just brilliant people. And then the gift of wisdom is the application of knowledge or the lead, you know under the leading of God and uh, uh the practical aspect of life b- being lived out by God's principles and seeing that wisdom shared by them is incredible. It's incredible. It's something that should be pursued by by
2: everybody, really. Mm. It's so attractive. Yeah. That's good. Proverbs seems to think so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Solomon, was, absolutely. You don't it does. just start a, a book like that and, and put that there if it's not important. Right. Well, and Solomon <laughs> in his early life
1: lived that way, right? And he yeah. he acquired this. And uh, you know, then the Queen of Sheba comes and says to him, there's, there's I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen the the wisdom that you have, then that gets manifested in this kingdom that you have that's so blessed and so beautiful, and and we're just all drawn to this.
0: And so I think that that kind of leads to another idea for me where it, it's the idea that uh, when you're looking at the book of Proverbs and you're just taking it without the fear of the Lord in mind, you could be looking at, at building wealth or strong families or something of that sort where you're looking at the, the Proverbs with the idea of making good decisions without the fear of the Lord. So it's good right. decisions to a different end. Tips. And, they're tips. Yeah. Tips for life. Yeah, they're, they're right. life tips, and they're useful, but they're not of any eternal value in that sense. So you need the fear of the Lord. You need that awareness of who God is and his overarching plan for reality, for this world, for our lives, to make it all work, to, to get the most out of the book. And Otherwise, it's just, it's just more vapor, more dust in the wind. Let me um, go back to, if you don't mind, just go back yeah. to the very beginning of our conversation
1: about what would we do in the presence of somebody Mm -hmm. who has a lot of authority and god all obviously has ultimate authority and you know you put all of the authority on earth together and it doesn't equal the authority that god has but in in scripture we see this picture too right wherever somebody comes into the presence of god they they go flat to their face right and um uh, even in an angel- even to angelic beings right yeah. humans go flat just <laughs> by nature and if any of us saw or you know were drawn into the presence of god today our immediate reaction would be to get on our face yeah. and it would just be our natural reaction we haven't said that yet about the fear of the yeah. lord but that is uh that's obviously a scriptural idea, and uh, honestly, you know, we think about heaven. And I don't know if oftentimes people, <laughs> the first thought that we have is we're going flat on our face, <laughs> right? We're just going to stay flat on our
0: face for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's like, just a thousand more years, God, I can't get up yet. <laughs> I yeah. can't get up yet, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think another aspect to consider when you're considering the fear of the Lord is just the, the omnipresence of God. The first time the fear of the Lord is referenced in the law, this is Leviticus 19.14, it says, you shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Mm -hmm. That is interesting because if you put a stumbling, if you curse the deaf, they can't hear you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, make fun of the deaf people. What are they going to do about it? Or you put a stumbling block before the blind. If there's nobody but the blind in you there, you get away with scot-free, right? There's no problem. It says, no, this is what somebody who does not fear the Lord would do, where they're just causing trouble for somebody else with no way of being caught or punished. It's like, well, no, God is there and God is aware. No fear of consequences. We need to be aware of God. (laughs) It almost seems so overwhelming to have like this constant realization of who god is at all times and being like oh do i have to second guess this do i have to second guess i'm like can can a person even do that and then i look back over the last two years we're recording this in the spring of 2022 and we've done that with something called COVID 19 that has permeated our decision making at all levels of society in all aspects of life it's like what do i do when i'm going into the store i'm doing things differently i'm i'm just constantly aware i'm putting hand sanitizer on or gloves or masks or sprays or you know i'm avoiding going into, this place avoiding and not, this place and yeah. not that yeah exactly it's just it has been this this permeating fear that has driven changes in behavior that i said okay now that's something you know you think of what jesus said he says don't fear what can destroy the uh body but fear god who can destroy body and soul yeah a paraphrase let me say actually yeah. I have it written down There we go, Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. It's like, okay, so if something like this virus that kills, you know, it it kills people, like that is something we have to acknowledge, but that's the worst it could do to you. (laughs) And so, like, shouldn't we treat God with a greater degree of fear than we've treated COVID? And if we've let COVID reshape our lives and society Mm -hmm. to this extent, how much more should we, our fear of God and our awareness of him do that?
2: That's a heavy question. No, it's good. It's a great illustration of how we should live. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, if COVID shaped us for the negative to take away freedoms, to take away, you know, to make us rethink on a granular, a granular level, right? How much more our fear of the Lord should cause us to rethink how we behave or what we're trying to accomplish in life, right? And what we're living for and the purposes. Um, you know, someone who is living in the fear of the Lord should be missionally minded. I would, I would think, I think it's all in the Bible, right? And if we're going to follow his commandments and his statutes and, you know, not legalistically, but, it, you know, obviously to the letter of the spirit, it should prompt a response in us where it's like, you know what? I shouldn't be okay you know, living uh, a life that's more self-centered than other-centered, right? It shouldn't be okay living a life that is, you know what, at least I have, a, you know, a home and a car and I'm, I'm comfortable in life, you know, forget those people out there that don't even have food, you know, whatever. Like, it should prompt a response in us where we're like, God, what would you desire for me to do with your life? You know, here am I, send me, right? Kind of, Kind of response.
1: Just to add to that just briefly, and that is uh, when you're saying that, Ryan, I was thinking that to follow God, to live wisely, to have the fear of the Lord, to heed His word brings life, right? That's the greatest life. And I think sometimes people think that's a terrible life. No, for those of us who live it, it's exciting life, right? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and you might have it to the full, And to follow Jesus and to live according to God's word and to live by his principles and to live on the right side of God rather than against God is the
2: greatest way to live. Yes. And those who haven't experienced that have not, have never lived, right? They have never lived a moment of their life. That's right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. People don't get it though, right? Like if you try telling a non-believer, like they're just like, why? Right? They're they're confounded, right? But the Lord uses you know, us to confound the wise. He uses the the foolish to confound the wise. He uses the weak, the strong, that whole verse. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite remarkable,
0: I think. Yeah, so you are talking, I think it's good good idea to really sort of transition to really applying and how we can apply this verse in our lives. Sorry if I jumped gun there. Oh, no, no, no problem. We've <laughs> been all do over about the place it, guys, and that you know? is fine because this is a natural <laughs> conversation. Yes. Um but I was thinking one thing that's very important is if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, then it's important to make myself aware of who he is. And, you know, I think of David saying, I meditate on your law day and night and what God's expectations are and just, you know, if, if, if who God is matters this much, then shouldn't I be doing all sorts of stuff to, to figure out who god is and to really get to know him and really spend time in his presence where i don't that that fear of the lord that constant awareness of who god is is just constant in my life i, I it's second nature just like when i'm driving a truck i'm paying attention to what's in front of the the, the truck i'm not just like oh that's right you know <laughs> that's right i'm i'm, I'm that, that that light was very red right there i probably shouldn't have <laughs> driven through that you know, it's like, no, it becomes second nature when you do it enough. And I think if you are constantly filling your own mind with who God is, then that will guide you to the knowledge that matters beyond God. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, we haven't talked practicality, but
1: I, it just would make sense then that you would every day be doing certain things to add to your Knowledge, right, of who God is. And that would come from God's word, right? So daily, daily figuring out a way to have intake from God's word. And there's a number of different ways to do that. And it depends on, um, you know, who you are. There's not one set way to do that. But I would, it would just make sense that on a daily basis, you would take time to read and study
0: and memorize and think on and meditate on god's word mm-hmm. and that's why the book of proverbs was written it was a training manual it's a book of instruction to help you think in the right way so that those decision making becomes second nature and you can just make the decisions without having complete knowledge but you have the right knowledge so studying proverbs just like studying the rest of the word is something that helps us to grow in that fear of the lord if we are aware of the fear of the Lord when we approach it in the first place and we know what that is. I think also in addition to that, I think prayer is very important to do every day, where you are, you know, talking to God and 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 treating him like a person, because he is. <laughs> and he's not a concept. It's it's you want it to be a realistic and not just an intellectual pursuit of who God is. The yeah, the Bible talks about being taught by God, right? And this passage.
1: Proverbs one seven talks about instruction. It says fools despise instruction. The opposite of that obviously then is the wise right the wise it. love the instruction. I'm sure that we can find several instances of that in the book of Proverbs. the wise love instruction, right The wise take counsel, the wise heed uh the instruction. and so listening to God's word, listening for
2: God's voice um super important. yeah. Even circumstantially, when God allows you to go through certain seasons or do certain things, that's for instruction. I would, I think, yeah, absolutely, for us to grow, for us to share and encourage others. You know, that's that's really good.
0: And I guess one thing that I like to consider when I consider application is also misapplication and how you could apply the proverb wrongly in your life. And this one, I feel like the most common way is just to ignore it, just to be like, I don't understand the fear of the Lord, or the fear of the Lord scares me, so I don't want to think about it, so I'm just going to ignore that part and, or fill it in with, with, you know, the fear of the Lord is just a healthy handshake type of a thing, and just to, I think I touched upon it already, to, to treat the Proverbs like their wisdom to attain goals other than a proper relationship with God. Like, you know, to get that wise investments or wise family planning or, you know, who should I marry kind of a thing, got to find that Proverbs 31 woman or whatever. Like, no, the point of the Proverbs is ultimately a a proper relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So if you are not approaching the Proverbs with that in mind, then you're going to come to wrong conclusions over and over and over again. You're missing the main point of the book. I want to go back to the statement I made about our our
1: parents um, and uh, our relationship with God as Father. And if on a human level you all you are is scared of your father, and there are kids out there who uh, all they know and all the relationship that they have with their dad is that it's it's a scary relationship, and their dad is uh, uh, their dad's mean, and their dad is uh, shows more discipline than love. And if that's your if if that's if that's your situation in life then you have a weird relationship with your dad right and not a good one and there's harm that comes from that and if that's how you see god right if god is just the mean angry person in the universe and he's just out to get you then you're not going to have a good relationship with god but that's not who god is
0: all right so i like to finish these proverbs these studies by rephrasing the proverb and catching it capturing at least one aspect of it in new language just to kind of make it pop and so for this one what i thought of was awareness of god is the light that brings burning clarity to the world but the fool wants to live in the dark Mm. wow thank you brett thank you ryan for joining me timothy thank you for inviting us ryan good seeing you. you thank you guys appreciate you guys all right be wise my friends be wise in the ways of god and live in the fear of the lord thank you very much